Welcome to the Getting Heaven Into People podcast. I'm Dave Ripper, a pastor here in New England, and I want to thank you for listening. After two years of the pandemic, almost all of us are hurting in some way, and so many of our churches are reeling. To address the deeply felt need Christians and churches have, I've designed this podcast to invite us to experience deeper healing and freedom over a 40-day journey as we pursue spiritual transformation together. I'm praying today's episode helps you experience greater joy, contentment, and confidence in your life and walk with God. So as you listen, may God's grace and peace be with you. Welcome to Getting Heaven in the People. I'm Dave Ripper from Crossway Christian Church in Greater Nashua, New Hampshire, and we are on day 20 of a 40-day journey where we are learning and praying about how to cultivate greater spiritual freedom. And for those of you who have listened to all 20 episodes so far, way to go. I'm so honored that you've been on this journey with us. It reminds me of a fact uh, that my friend just started hiking the Appalachian Trail yesterday, 2,190 miles or so. And the psychological halfway point of the trail between Springer Mountain, Georgia, and Mount Katahdin in Maine is Harper's Ferry, West Virginia, right on the Maryland line. So the good news is you are at the Harper's Ferry point. But the bad news is of the Appalachian Trail is that once you make it to New Hampshire, where I'm recording, you've gone 80% of the way, but you've only done about 50% of the work. But let me assure you, Lord willing, the latter half of this podcast series is not going to get harder. Hopefully, we have done 50% of the work, 50% of the way, but you never know how the Spirit is going to lead. So within Getting Heaven and the People, we're in a series of episodes that I'm referring to as Psalm 23 ministry. And as, as heaven gets into us, how does that overflow for ministry for the sake of other people. Now, key to Psalm 23 ministry is serving from a place of sufficiency in the good shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd and I lack nothing. Now, in his wonderful book, Life Without Lack, that we've been exploring, Dallas Willard suggests that we can cultivate a life that lacks nothing through what he calls the triangle of sufficiency. It's the dynamic of humility and trust and love working together. In the last two episodes, we looked at cultivating humility and trust. And so today, we're going to look at the third side of that triangle, what Christ-like agape love is, and how we might cultivate it in our own lives for the sake of our neighbors and communities and world. And my prayer for everyone listening to This podcast is that heaven would get into you so that you might join God in building his kingdom right where you are. That you would truly learn how to love your neighbors as yourself. So let's begin by listening to God's word for a few minutes on agape love. I just want to help us soak ourselves in scripture that in being with God through his word, we might cultivate a disposition of love that we would enter into his loving presence 
loving presence that would then overflow into our relationships today. First passage I'm going to read for us is John 15, 9 through 17. Let's listen to Jesus' words of love to us right now. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. I have said these things to you so my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I do not call you servants any longer because the servant does not know what the master is doing. But I have called you friends because I have made known to you everything that I have heard from my father. You did not choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last so that the father will give you whatever you ask him in my name. I am giving you these commands so that you may love one another. Let's listen now to one of the most powerful, beautiful, compelling passages in all of the Bible on love. 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 to 21. Beloved, let us love one another because love is from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, for God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Beloved, since God loved us so much, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God lives in us and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us his spirit. And we have seen and do testify that the father has sent his son as the savior of the world. God abides in those who confess that Jesus is the son of God and they abide in God. So we have known and believe the love that God has for us. God is love. And those who abide in love abide in God, and God abides in them. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness on the day of judgment, because as he is, so we are in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, for fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not reached perfection in love. We love because he first loved us. Those who say, I love God and hate their brothers or sisters are liars. For they do not love a brother or sister whom they have seen. For those who do not love a brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. The commandment we have from him is this. Those who love God must love their brothers and sisters also. 
Just take a moment to allow the words from John's gospel and his first epistle to just wash over you. What words or phrases seem to touch your heart right at this moment? What lines, verses, ideas, themes might the Holy Spirit be bringing to your attention right now? Let's take a moment now to reflect a bit more on how we might cultivate the agape love that we just read about from Dallas Willard's perspective. One of the four questions humans have wrestled with for thousands of years is this question. Who is a really good person? How would you answer that? Well, Willard contends, according to Jesus Christ, anyone who is pervaded with love is a really good person. Willard's definition of love finds its origin in the very heart and self-giving nature of the Trinitarian community of love that we know as God. In Renovation of the Heart, Willard contends that love means to will to good or benevolence. We love something or someone when we promote its good for its own sake. Or to put it differently, love, I love this, love is the genuine inner readiness and longing to secure the good of others. Let me read that again. Love is the genuine inner readiness and longing to secure the good of others. Now, this type of love, Willard maintains, has four primary movements toward its perfecting work in us. First, we are loved by God who is love, and we receive his love. That's first, we receive his love. Secondly, in response to his love, we love him. We reciprocate that love. Thirdly, out of the overflow of our love for God and God's love for us, we love others. And finally, we become a part of a fellowship of Christ's apprentices or disciples living in a community of love. And I believe this is what happens when heaven gets into the church. Now continue Clarifying this perspective of love and life without lack, Willard asserts that love is not merely about the things we do. It is a disposition of the heart. In fact, he says love is not action. It is a source of action. Now, I grew up listening to some DC talk in high school and I would talk about love is a verb and Willard kind of challenges that a bit. Love is not just action, but a source of action. See, many people do loving things out of potentially unloving motivations like obligation or obedience or for personal benefit or out of guilt or shame. We might try and do loving things, but Willard is insistent that we do not aspire to appear to be a loving person, but to be a loving person. And to become this kind of person, we must train ourselves to cultivate an overall disposition of love rather than trying to be, to do loving things through mere willpower alone. Now, one of the countless ways Dallas taught love through his lifestyle was in how he approached his work as a faculty member at the University of Southern California. Even though Dallas was considered 
the philosopher or teacher with the greatest range within the philosophy department, he often took an other-centered approach to his course load. Instead of asserting his rank and pedigree to teach the coveted graduate-level seminars, Willard often chose the less desired undergraduate-level courses to give younger faculty members greater opportunities. What a picture of humility or death to self culminating in love toward his fellow faculty members, many of whom held incredibly different beliefs than Dallas. So what might love look like in Psalm 23 ministry? I believe it is to be the source of all we do. We don't just try to act lovingly or minister in a lovingly way, loving way, but we have a loving disposition in all we do. One of the ways I try to practically apply this is when I speak or teach or even record a podcast like I am right now. I frequently remind myself that I am speaking not as a means to impress others, but as an act of love. And when my motivation is genuinely to love others, I can let go of the outcome of how things turn out. I don't have to be consumed by how other people perceive me. There is a peace and freedom in knowing that if I have intended as much as I'm able to love, that I need not worry. There is peace and freedom in simply trying to do whatever we do from a disposition of love that overflows into acts of love. And I believe when our motivation behind any act of ministry or service is to love, the power of the Spirit, at least from my perspective, seems to be unleashed in greater ways. So friends, may the power of the Holy Spirit be unleashed in and through you as you respond to God's call to love others today. May you receive his love, reciprocate his love, love others, and immerse yourself within a community of love. May we be that as the church. That's what the church will be like when we are getting heaven in the people. I look forward to being with you tomorrow as we explore the Psalm 23 ministry of presence. Until then, grace and peace and love be with you.